All right, Shark Nation, welcome on this Football Friday podcast on Shark Radio. But before we get into football, a couple senior night recognitions this week. Our girls' volleyball program on Tuesday defeated Beaufort on senior night in straight sets, upping their record to 5-1 and one in the region. We want to give a shout-out to our four senior girls, Abby Poplava, Natalia Villalobos, Jordan Bigham, and Addison Black. Congratulations, girls, on a great season so far and a great career. Also, last night, our girls' tennis program defeated Bluffton in the hometown showdown, five matches or five sets to one. Our three seniors were all victorious. Natalie Bassett at the number one singles, Grace Sari at the number four singles, and Margaret Zenzian at the number three singles. Congratulations, girls, on your victory last night and a great career at May River High School. All right, tonight, big matchup. The hometown showdown again versus Bluffton, this time in football. Kickoff at 7.30. We had a podcast earlier in the week going over what tonight will look like, our COVID-19 restrictions and guidelines, ticket sales. If you have not listened to that podcast, please do so. We have a lot of directions in there to help you get through the night. Um, I do want to add one thing. We've spent this week kind of putting taped lines down on the bleachers. When you arrive tonight, please find a taped line and sit on that taped line. If there is no line there, please find a taped line. If you have to spread your family out two and two, that's fine. Um, but please find a taped line and sit on it. We also have standing room only on both sides of the stadium. Bluffton fans, you can stand along the fence or we need you to stand along the fence on the scoreboard side. May River fans, left of our stadium looking at the field will also be open um, for the first time. So please find those fence lines and stand around if you cannot find a taped line to sit on. Um, again, kickoffs at 7.30. If you haven't listened to those guidelines, please find our podcast and go over that. Tickets are sold out. There will be no more ticket sales, none at the gate. If you do not have a ticket or a South Carolina High School League coaches pass, you will not be admitted into the game due to the COVID-19 restrictions. Today, we got a big show as always on Friday, talking a little football with our offensive coordinator, Richard Bonneville and his playing days at the Citadel when he made a trip down to the uh, University of Miami and play against a pro football Hall of Famer. And then, of course, the most anticipated spot on local radio, our college pick'em for this weekend. Coach Powell and Coach Whitmore will join me again. All three of us had a very successful week last week. We'll see if we can keep it going. But up next, we'll have Coach Richard Bonneville talking about tonight's game. Shark Radio is sponsored by Palmetto Bug Company, a commercial and residential bug control solution. Owned and operated by an educational professional, we make customer service a priority. Palmetto Bug Company. All right, welcome back, Shark Nation. Again, thanks to our sponsor, Palmetto Bug Company. We appreciate it. If you are interested in being a Shark Radio sponsor, please contact Athletic Director Brett Macy at 843-836-4873. Right now in the Shark Radio studio, a.k.a. my office, is Coach Bonneville, as we mentioned a little bit in the 
first segment, Coach Bonneville, the Citadel grad, played um, one game down there at the University of Miami. Coach Bonneville, how, how'd that go that, that day? Yeah, it was hot. <laughs> it was very hot in, in the Orange Bowl. I, I always used to tell my wife uh, uh, when she was my girlfriend, that's where I got my first start in the Orange Bowl, never talked about the score. Still won't talk about it either today. Who was the best Coach Bonneville is our offensive line coach, as you know, an offensive coordinator, but uh, he played offensive line at Citadel. Who was the best defender, not necessarily D. Lyman, but best defender on the field that day for Miami? Uh, there was a guy named um, uh, Lewis, his last name, and then his first name was Ray. He was in a bag. He wasn't a bad football player. He was okay. Yes, Ray Lewis, the Hall of Fame linebacker for the Baltimore Ravens. I'm sure Coach Bonneville blocked him on a consistent basis <laughs> that uh, Saturday afternoon. <laughs> but anyway, a after you graduated from the Citadel, Coach, um, just kind of talk about your coaching timeline af after you left the Citadel. Well, I, I, I left um, school and ended up at Irmo High School uh, for a year. They didn't have; they had a uh, social studies teacher get promoted. Uh, they were kind of in a crunch looking for somebody, and I was fresh face out of out of the Citadel, and they brought me in, uh, kind of un under the understanding that it's going to just be a one year gig. But uh, uh, got a lot of experience there. Uh, got married, and we moved down to North Augusta, kind of uh, go, you know, see, be on our own a little bit, and um, stayed there for two years, and then uh, we wanted to get back home knew we wanted to get back in the Columbia area. Uh, so I went to uh, Camden High School. Uh, I was at Camden High School for five years, um, then moved over to Richland Northeast, uh, where I met up with uh, our current head coach, Rodney Summers. I uh, was at Northeast for seven years. Um, then uh, the Westwood job uh, came open. Coach Summers went over there. Uh, I decided to go on over there with Coach Summers. We spent four years um, building that school, uh, and then we came down here, and this will be it. So we talked to Coach Summers last week about, you know, building the program, and then now we have to maintain that program. What was kind of the deciding factor when Coach Summers decided to come to May River for you to follow him? Well, it, it, for the longest time, uh, my wife and I, um, used to come down here and vacate with our families. And um, we figured that we'd never be able to kind of afford to retire down here. So we might as well work into our retirement. So um, when this job came open, I really pushed uh, Coach Summers to, hey, why don't you go check out this new May River job down there in the Bluffton Hilton Head area. Um, he took a look at it. Uh, we drove down here a couple times and uh, we said, I, th I think we can live here and enjoy it and be successful. So, Coach, looking at this season, obviously we've got COVID-19. We've got a lot of changes. You know, what, what has that COVID-19 put on the preparation for the offensive line? What's the biggest challenge for the offensive line and then for the offense this season? Well, we kinda, we've always been kind of an undersized group. And with COVID-19 uh, kind of uh, eliminating our summer uh, weightlifting and our summer conditioning, uh, summer toughening program, um, it, it's it's been a it's been kind of a struggle to push through the the everyday rigors of offensive line play where you you hit uh, every play 
Um, the technique has to be so pre precise in order to be successful against somebody who's physically bigger than you, physically stronger than you. Uh, and it's been hard to kind of uh, get the guys prepared to meet those challenges with the proper technique uh, with the shortenings or with the COVID-19 uh, issue. Coach, how has your offense evolved over the years of being an offensive coordinator? Well, when I was at uh, Westwood and when, we were, when Coach and I, Coach Summers and I were at uh, Richland Northeast, uh, we really stayed in a, in a four wide, three wide system with uh, uh, in talented quarterbacks and, and uh, talented receivers. And we would just kind of throw it around, run the zone and stuff like that. Um, but we've always been in the idea of that we're going to always match our offense with our, our personnel. Uh, when we moved down here, uh, we didn't have the personnel to do the things that we were doing in uh, Columbia, and we were not, were never too good to change something up. So, kind of came down here. We had more offensive line, tight end bodies, and uh, so we said, you know what, we'll we'll see what we can do. And we went and visited uh, uh, NC State. We've uh, got North Dakota State film. It's it's just kind of been a transition, some Wisconsin film to see where we can um, incorporate more of our, our personnel into an offense. So it's really, really more about our personnel. So looking at tonight's game versus Bluffton, what are some of the key matchups for the offense? Well, um, Bluffton has talent all over the, the field. They have a, a Division One. Um, defensive end. Uh, they have some three-year starters uh, all over the defense. Uh, it really, it's uh, it's going to come down to um, execution in the trenches. Uh, can we withstand uh, some of their big guys? they got big guys like Luke Bond playing defensive end and a couple other def uh, offensive linemen playing, uh, which is really a, 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 a mismatch for some of our smaller offensive linemen that we have. Uh, so we're going to have to uh, really be sharp in our technique and, and really ho hopefully hold up to uh, the, the pounding that their guys can, can give out. So looking tonight at the game, fan comes. Obviously, you look for touchdowns to say that the offense is having success. But early in the game, before maybe touchdowns start happening, what will show you that May River is having success as an offense? Well, number one, being able to run the ball, I think, is always the indicator for us. Um, you know, maybe not going three and out like we did against James Island would make me feel a lot better. Uh, maybe putting a couple of uh, first downs together, maybe flipping field position if we have bad field position. Um, those are the things that say, hey, we can, uh, you know, successfully execute the game plan that we have put in all week. Or, you know, we're going to have to try something else, just leave it up to, to some, some uh, hopefully, good breaks and, and, and get lucky at times. All right. Well, thanks, Coach Bonneville. We appreciate your time this morning. Good luck tonight. And uh, for Shark Nation tuning in to our next segment, it is the most anticipated can't segment. Wait. Yeah, Coach Bonneville can't, can't wait. wait either. It is the most anticipated segment in local radio. It is College Pick'em Friday. Yes. He lets hear a word from our sponsor.
Shark Radio is sponsored by Palmetto Bug Company, a commercial and residential bug control solution. Owned and operated by an educational professional, we make customer service a priority. Palmetto Bug Company. All right, welcome back, Shark Nation. It is that time of the week again. It is college pick'em time. We had a great week last week. Coach Whitmore is leading the way with an eight and one record. Myself, Coach Macy, right behind at seven and two, and Coach Powell at six and three. Again, we're not just picking winners; we're picking the spread, college pick'em style. So those are great numbers for really all three people. A lot of a lot of games left in the season. One game leads can evaporate in a heartbeat, so it should be fun going the rest of the way. Everyone looks like they know what they're talking about. Um, if you guys noticed in the first, in our Coach Bonneville segment, he kind of alluded to North Dakota State. I think all three of us were on that game last week. Um, the Kansas State upset of Oklahoma. Remember, North Dakota State's a whole coaching staff went down to Kansas State, so that's all, all those offensive line blocking and all that gave Oklahoma – trouble last year and obviously beat them again this year. So maybe Oklahoma needs to call up our uh, defensive coordinator, Al Schmidt, um, to how to handle that offense because apparently Oklahoma has no clue how to stop it. With that said, into this week, we got 10 games. Um, lines, a lot of big lines, a, lot, a couple home dogs I like, but we're going to start with Coach Whitmore and the Texas A&M at Alabama. Bama is 17-point favorites. Who you got, Coach? <clears throat> All right, good to be back. You know, Texas A&M, I watched them last week. They were a head-scratcher against Vandy. They, they squeaked out a win, 17-12. to 12. Um, Alabama rolled to a 35-3 to 3 lead before Mizzou came back to get the backdoor cover from my one and only loss of the week. Um, this is a tough one because I think Bama's way better, but 17 is a ton of points. A&M scares me a little bit here. Um, one of the reasons they were so close with Vandy is they put the ball on the ground five times. They lost three of those fumbles. I doubt that happens again. You know they'll certainly be up for this game. but And it's a big but. I think Bama is able to play their starters the entire game this week. The Tide rolled 47-28 to in College Station last year. I think we see a similar result tomorrow. Roll Tide by 21. Coach Whitmore, all very good points. Again, I paid attention a little bit to that Missouri-Bama game as well. Um, Jimbo Fish was one of the biggest hires in Texas A&M history a couple years ago. He is getting an astronomical amount of money. Um, it's a, he's about due for a win. It, it would mean incredible a lot to Texas A&M's whole athletic department as well as their program if they could get a big win versus Alabama. However, I'm not convinced it's going to be this week. Um, A&M struggled, struggled with, with Vanderbilt, okay, um, they got a senior quarterback, but I'm just not sure this is going to be enough. I think the 17 points allows Bama to keep the foot on the gas, or excuse me, the 17 point uh, allow, uh, favorite allows Bama to keep the foot on the gas a little bit more. Not going to allow it to get within three scores, so I'm going Bama as well. All right, yeah, I wonder what A&M's uh, price per win has been the last few years on their whole coaching staff. Probably the highest paid po coaching staff in college football, so they're they're. Uh, Probably points per win or, or money per win is pretty high. Um, I like Bama here. I think they play their starters. They wear them down. Um, they probably win by 21-24. I'm going Alabama. Next up, Auburn at Georgia. Georgia's getting seven, seven, giving seven and a half. Coach Powell, what do you got? Um, early in the week, I was big on Auburn. Um, thought Auburn was by far the better team. If, if you really, if you notice last week in my pick, my big upset pick them 
was I, I picked Arkansas to uh, defeat Georgia last week. For a half, I look like a genius. Okay. Um, however, the second half, Georgia got the memo. Arkansas did not. And uh, Georgia come out and covered in the second half here. Um, so I wasn't really a big fan of Georgia. However, transfer quarterback, I think he's eligible. The guy from uh, Southern Cal, I think Coach Whitmore knows a little bit about that guy. Um, but uh, I think quarterback play, still uncertainty with their offense. I think Auburn keeps winning seven and a half. I'm going Auburn uh, to cover, get seven and a half for Georgia. <sighs> 125 times these two teams will have played on Saturday. You believe that? The Deep South's oldest rivalry. Georgia, as you alluded to, they were abysmal for two quarters against Arkansas. I think at first glance, everyone will look back and say Auburn won by more than two scores against a pretty good Kentucky team and that they should be the pick. I'm going to hit you with a little not-so-fast. Auburn was outgained by Kentucky, but they benefited from turnovers and a questionable call that took points off the board. Okay. Georgia had some uncharacteristic miscues early on. Uh, they had an errant snap that took them out of scoring range uh, late in the first half. You alluded to JT Daniels um, being cleared. Um, but Kirby Smart, the coach of Georgia, has not told us who the starter is. I expect whoever it is to play uh, with a renewed confidence, get the ball out to those playmakers. Georgia's won 12 out of 15 and three in a row against Auburn. I think they make it four in a row and cover the spread. I got the Bulldogs with a late score to win by 10. Yeah, we don't know the quarterback at Georgia yet. Um, JT Daniels came from Southern Cal. He's a kid who left high school early and started at Southern Cal as a true freshman and looked really good doing it that year until he got hurt. And then his job got taken by another All-American quarterback at USC. Um, I like JT Daniels. I think he's good. He hasn't played a meaningful snap of football in a really long time. We don't know the quarterback situation. Whoever it's going to be, I think Georgia will cover that spread, but it will probably be late. With a couple touchdowns, I'm going to have Georgia probably by 10 over Auburn. Next up, your local South Carolina Gamecocks travel to Florida, who look like world beaters. Florida's giving 18 in the swamp. Coach Whitmore, what do you got? Yeah, the Gamecocks, man, they hung tough against those Tennessee Volunteers last week. They battled till the end, had the special teams mistake at the end that kept them from having a chance to maybe go down and win the game on that last drive. Um Florida rolled offensively against Ole Miss. I think Kyle Trask, the quarterback, he threw like six touchdowns, uh, over 400 yards. Uh, but their defense did not look great. Um, I'm not sure that Carolina has the mobile quarterback or the running game to put up enough points to, to get the win on the road. But this spread, though, at 18 is just too many. Um, if it was under 17, I think I'd take the Gators. But with 18 being above that three-score threshold, I'm going to say the Gamecocks do enough to hang close and cover in a shootout at the Swamp. Coach Whitmore, I couldn't agree with you more there. Uh, I alluded to the fact last week that I felt like Carolina had to get the uh, their their run game established with new OC, uh, Coach Bobo. Um, South Carolina, though, if you pay close attention to that game, towards the end of the game last week, Tennessee could not stop them. I mean, uh, their offense got clicking a little bit. I think I read an article where Bobo said he could have been a little bit more aggressive with his play calling. Uh, First-year starter, but transfer from Colorado from up in Norman, South Carolina. Um, started off kind of sluggish, but I think picked it up as along along the the game. Florida, they scored a million points, but man, they gave up a lot, a lot of points to Ole Miss. So I'm not sure it's a very good football team. Uh, with that being said, I'm gonna go with a little strategy here that South Carolina's defense is better than Ole Miss. Okay, so I think they're gonna keep it a little bit closer. 
um, that Ole Miss did. Therefore, I'm going to say with 18 is a lot of points in the SEC conference game. South Carolina is not that bad. I'm going to go South Carolina getting 18. Yeah, the biggest surprise for me last week was Florida's defense. Um, it's been really the past decade their offenses look pretty abysmal um, most most weeks, but last week their defense was not very good. Um, so that wor that obviously worries me a lot. I do like Florida's game plan against Ole Miss. Um, Jordan Rogers, Aaron Rodgers' brother, broke down um, that Florida ran ten plays last week, all from different formations, but the same exact play. And the quarterback went nine for ten for 175 yards and two touchdowns. That's really good coaching offensively. But man, that defense really scares me. I don't think South Carolina's is that bad. And again, I agree with the panel. 18 points is a ton of points in the SEC. I'm going to go with South Carolina covering, but Florida should win pretty comfortably. Next up, leaving the SEC, going a little Georgia Southern at Louisiana Monroe. Southern is giving 17 points. What do you got, Coach Powell? Oh, boy. Uh, Louisiana Monroe. Man, they're in a bad spot, okay? Bad, bad spot. Defensive coordinator, Quit right at the very beginning of the season prior to Army. He said, no, thank you. Get that job to somebody else. Unfortunately, it appears that our offensive coordinator must have quit as well because they can't seem to score on anyone. Georgia Southern particularly plays a really, really good defense. Okay, they're tough. They play. They get after it. Offensively, they control the ball. Uh, works, uh, from, uh, works from South Carolina um, is, is really started throwing the ball a little bit. I noticed I just read an article where he's on some watch list. He's a senior. I think the um, I think Georgia Southern rolls here, um, and again, ho ho hopefully, uh, you know, uh, works continues to throw a little ball, opens things up. I, I got Georgia Southern in a route because UL Monroe is in a bad spot. Good call, Coach Powell. Uh, man, the Eagles they played a great game last week. They lost a heartbreaker to a on the road to a, lank, a ranked Louisiana team. As you alluded to, Shy Words was tremendous throwing the football. I think even though they lost, there has to be a certain confidence offensively that, that comes with the way he was able to move the ball and make plays down the stretch. Um, last week's opponent was named the Raging Cajuns. This week's is named the Warhawks. Those are both pretty cool names. Um, but last time I checked my bird ranking chart, Eagles were at the top. So I'm going with Georgia Southern, the G-A-T-A, Gata, and cover the spread by more than 17. Yeah, I like Georgia Southern to roll here. If you remember, I mentioned last week they had some kids coming back from COVID, and I think they had 33 players out a few weeks ago. So the rust is now off. They played well last week. They just couldn't get over the hump. I think they play really well and expired this week and cover that 17-point spread pretty easily. I'm going Georgia Southern as well. Next up, back in the SEC, LSU without Joe Burrow. Offense looking a little suspect at times, giving 20-and-a-half at Vandy. What do you got, Coach Powell? Um. Last week, Vandy looked to hold on, okay? Um, I didn't really see that coming. I thought they were in major trouble last week. LSU, that was the major pick that I got wrong. I saw LSU covering, but, man, Mike Leach got after him, okay? Uh, LSU looked not particularly great at times, but they're able to score points, okay? And I think uh, Vandy not been able to score points. Got a little backdoor information here. Uh, one of the best players ever played in Vanderbilt history, D.J. Moore, all right? Um Led them to a, a bowl win. And is, he, bowl. is he from Lake City, Coach? He, he is not from Lake oh, City. Okay. Coached him up in Spartanburg. There's only three famous people from Lake City. I think we've already established that. So, DJ Moore is not one of them. Okay? But he's All-American there. Played offense, defense for him. But the bad news, he's no longer there. Um, LSU, 
uh, I think is going to be motivated. I think LSU wins by 21. You know, you don't just roll into Baton Rouge and throw for 623 yards against one of the most talented teams in the SEC unless you're Mike Leach. Uh, lots of people hitting the panic button on the Tigers. I'm not one of them. Coach O has been strangely calm, positive after the loss. I think that's a good sign. Um, that 623 yards they gave up in the air to Mississippi State is a ton. But 383 of those yards came after the catch. That tells me Mississippi State was able to spread out the Tigers and use the entire field. Um, LSU's top corner was out having an allergic reaction Friday night. Caused a triple-down effect. Uh, they had guys that played in the slot all week, practiced in the slot, had to go outside. They had guys that weren't even supposed to play, moving into the slot. I think their their adjustments were late. I think their, their calls were late. Um, you know, he comes back. I don't think Vanderbilt has the scheme or the players to, to spread him out like that. Um, the Commodores do have a pretty good defensive line. LSU did not protect very well last week, but I think though a lot of that was uh, communication, and I think they'll get that straightened out. They're not the same team as last year. We knew that coming in. They're better than they showed last week. I'm saying LSU gets right on the bounce back this week and absolutely hammers Vandy. Go Tigers. I'm going to go LSU, but I think it's going to be a little bit closer. Um, I just it, It's a lot of points. Again, LSU's defense, I think I don't think Vandy will be able to score enough, and LSU will get over that 20-and-a-half marker at some point in the second half and will just kind of stay there. Um, I'm going to roll with the, the defending national champions as well as LSU. Next up, we got Virginia at Clemson. Clemson given the most in today's college pick 30-and-a-half points. Coach Whitmore, what do you got? Call this one the Flintstones Bowl going down Saturday night in the happiest place on earth, north of Disney World, Clemson, South Carolina. One coach is named Dabo, the other one's named Bronco. I'm sure, uh, you know, Fred, Wilma, and Bam Bam and Pebbles will be tuned in, glued to the TV to watch this one. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Virginia beat Duke 38-20 last week, but they took the ball away seven times, including five interceptions. Trevor Lawrence hasn't thrown an interception his last ten games. Something's got to give here. I'm going to guess it's not Lawrence and the Tigers. This will certainly be the best team Clemson has played this year. It's a rematch of last year's ACC championship game. Clemson scored 62 on the Wahoos in that one last year. I'm not sure they get to that number, but I think they get to the 50s. I see Virginia scoring 14 to 17. I'm not a math teacher, but I think 50 minus 17 is 33. I'm going to take Dabo over Bronco. Clemson covers a large spread. Coach Whitmore, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, Clemson is too fast, too strong, and just just too good. Um, I think Virginia, you know, got a win over Duke. I think Duke is in a bad spot as well. Not very good. Can't score a whole lot of points. Didn't do my background on interceptions, but that 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 doesn't leave both very well for uh, uh, Virginia relying on interceptions against Trevor Lawrence and the boys. Um, everybody's concerned about how uh, Clemson hasn't scored a whole lot in the second half. They went two weeks in a row, didn't score a single point in the second half, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, well, that's their second string, um, who are only getting a lot of reps. I'm going Clemson. They're going to keep the starters in a little bit longer. Um, they're going to their defensive when they put their backups in the game. Uh, the best defensive coordinator in the country, Brent Venables, he is amazing. He's not going to give up cheap point scores late. So I'm thinking Clemson scores 42 in the first half. Okay, gets out early and holds on. I go Clemson in a route. I would call this a pounding. I'm going Clemson, too. I think they do win. I'm not sure they get out to a 42-0 um, lead by halftime, but I think 
as, as, as both of them said, Clemson starters are going to play obviously a lot more than a half. Um, that 30 and a half will be covered probably at some point during the fourth quarter and Venables won't give up any cheap points. Agree there. I'm going to go Clemson minus 30 and a half. We went out of order last time, so we're going to go back to Coach Whitmore again for the second time in a row. We got Ole Miss at Kentucky. Kentucky minus seven. What do you got, Coach? Yeah, both of these teams, they had tough assignments in their openers last week. Uh, the Fighting Kiffins lost a shootout to Florida, 51-35. Uh, Wildcats gained more yards but came up short against Auburn. Should be a pretty good game. I'm sure both teams feel like they can get back on the right track. I'm going to say that the Ole Miss offense is ahead of where I thought they'd be at this point. They're able to use the big play and get out to a lead, and I'm not sure Kentucky has the offense to keep up. I'm going to advise any Kentucky Wildcats fans that are thinking about going to the game, save yourselves the frustration. Just go to Keeneland. They're open this weekend. I've got this as an upset special. I think Lane Kiffin gets his first win as the coach of the Rebels. They not only cover the spread, but they went outright on the road in Lexington. Coach Whitmore, I think you must have printed off my notes as well. Um, to me, this is a game against two teams in similar, different situations. Ole Miss can score against anybody but can't seem to stop anybody. Kentucky seems to be pretty good on uh, defense, but they can't score. Okay, I'm going to go with uh, Lane Kiffin and the boys. They're able to score. However, Kentucky did get a transfer quarterback, I think, potentially, who is eligible this week. Um, didn't do a whole lot of research there, um, but I just think the ability to score points, which Ole Miss proved, against a traditionally tough defense in Florida, gives them an advantage. Uh, you know, I'm not sure of the actual outright win, but I could definitely see it. But I think there's no way Kentucky covers giving up seven goal miss. All right, well, Keeneland may be open, but it's Preakness Saturday, everyone. Um, so people in Kentucky may probably – well, they will be paying attention to that. Um, but I'm a Hoosier, born in Indiana. I picked Kentucky last week. Um, they were one of my two losses. I still like Kentucky. I'm going to – I'm going to pick Kentucky one more time. I'm going to go against the panel here. If they if they give me another loss, it'll probably be the last last pick for the Wildcats I ever give in my lap in my life. But I'm going to go Kentucky on Preakness Saturday. Next up, we got a little Tar Heels. A lot of talk about North Carolina this year could possibly beat Notre Dame, play North, or play Clemson in the ACC championship. They travel up the road. In Boston, they play Boston College. Boston College, 11.5-point dogs. What do you got, Coach Powell? I've said this numerous times. I've watched North Carolina for years being in the ACC. And I just think historically, North Carolina does not play very well against teams they're favored against. Um, they have a really, really good quarterback, okay? Um, we watched him against 7-on-7. Seven seven. We actually played him up at Cam Newton. The guy can spin it. He was a Florida State commit. Early coaching change there. He switched. North Carolina was a starter since day one. But I think North Carolina wins. I don't ever think the, the game is in jeopardy, but I think Boston's college tough defense and attack mode offense of, of power football. I think Boston College doesn't have many mistakes. So I, I'm going to say Boston College covers getting 11. Not bad. Anybody know who the coach is at Boston College? That'd Ohio be, State's old defensive yeah, coordinator. Yeah, that'd be uh, former Ohio State defensive coordinator Jeff Halfley. Uh, he's an NFL guy. He was with the 49ers for a little while. Um, very highly thought of in his time in Columbus by his players and fellow coaches. Um, BC's had a nice start to the season, two wins. Like you, Coach Powell, I'm not 100% sold on UNC yet. I think they're talented. Just something, I don't know, it just doesn't seem right with me. Uh, I think BC will be very sound defensively. 
Um, they have a, a Notre Dame transfer at quarterback that Coach Tracy, I'm sure, is going to talk about. He's been pretty good, especially he's been able to get out of the pocket. Um, you know, I, I think that's enough to keep the Eagles close. I'm not sure they win outright, but I think they stay within the number at home. I got the, the Boston College Eagles plus the points. Yep, along with Ohio State's D coordinator, which we know is very good. Boston College is going to play good defense. That quarterback at Boston College is named Phil Yurkovich. He came from Western Pennsylvania, was Notre Dame's top recruit a few years ago. Couldn't beat out um, Notre Dame's current starter, Ian Book, so he got frustrated and left. He is one of the most highly touted recruits out of Western Pennsylvania since Dan Marino owns basically all the records there. And really, a couple weeks ago, if you watched Boston College, when their offensive coordinator came out at halftime, they got Phil moving outside the pocket. He's big. He's athletic. He can throw the ball. He's comfortable outside the pocket. So I think he's getting more comfortable. It was his first college start a couple weeks ago against Duke. He settled in. He looked good. I think he's going to continue to look good, along with the Boston College defense and my uncertainty with the Tar Heels. I'm going Boston College, 11.5-point dogs at home. Next up. Back to the SEC, we got Mizzou at Tennessee. Tennessee, ten and a half point favorites. Coach Whitmore, what do you got? I don't really know where to start with these two teams. I mean, Missouri, they won the second half last week. Uh, you know, the coach comes sprinting down the sidelines with eight seconds left to call timeout, down 25, to score on the last play. I mean, what are we doing? Uh, Tennessee, you know, that was my only loss, by the way. Um, Tennessee, they were they were Clint Eastwood on Saturday, man. I'm talking good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, the ugly, they had two penalties on that on their final drive with a chance to ice the game. They had two special teams blunders early on. They were one for 11 on third down. The bad, they had 11 rushing yards in the first half and only 10 carries. Uh, quarterback Jared Guarantano, he looked a little shaky in the pocket. He was throwing off his back foot, missed a lot of guys that were open high that would have extended those drives. But the good, 123 rushing yards in the second half, an obvious commitment to establishing the run, had almost 400 yards of total offense despite being 1-for-11 on third down, and they won the turnover battle, not something they've done in the past couple years very well. Uh, I think it became clear in the second half against Carolina, Tennessee needs to run the ball. They got probably the best news possible along those lines, um, highly touted offensive lineman transfer. Cade Mays was deemed eligible to play this week. He was a five-star kid, um, possibly the number one lineman uh, in the country coming out of high school. He's only going to help. I think Tennessee runs the ball early this week to set up the pass versus trying to be throw first as they were last week. I think that helps Guarantano, a little play action. I got the Vols handling Missouri at home in Keeneland, Rocky Top by 14 to 17 points. Mizzou actually has to play against starters for four quarters this week, and they can't get that late score to get me twice in a row. Coach Whitmore, after hearing your uh, prediction, I might have to change mine. Um, incredible information there that I was—I didn't do my research on, um, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, Tennessee, Missouri. I think if you look at just overall and you take a glimpse at both, you got to say both teams. Without looking into details, you got to say both teams are equal. Um, they're pretty close, and when you talk about double-digit um, spread for teams that are equal, you got to say you go with the dog. Um, However, um, I, I look back at that early, early getting in a bad spot against Alabama, coming on late against uh, Alabama's twos and threes. They're able to keep it uh, respectable. Uh, Tennessee, like you said, established a run game. I think Carolina's a little better than we thought. And Tennessee, I was able to pull out a win there. Um, I definitely see Tennessee winning. 
I'm not sure that I think the hook is going to get us here. I'm going to go with Mizzou getting 10 and a half. All right. I don't have any stats. I watched Tennessee. I haven't watched Mizzou in probably 12 years. Don't really care to. Um, but I'm going to go with the rest of the country may not believe in Tennessee quite yet. I personally don't. But they've won, I believe, seven in a row dating back to last year. So I can tell you who does believe. That's people in that locker room. And that's all that really matters. Um, I think they have a lot of confidence. They're at home. Um, I think they cover the 10 and a half, probably late again in the fourth quarter. But again, Mizzou's going to have to play against starters for four quarters. They look really bad early. I'm going to go Tennessee at home covering the 10 and a half. Last one today, we got a little local flair. Arkansas State plays at Coastal Carolina. Coach Powell, what do you got? Coastal Carolina home team. I think I read a stat where Coastal Carolina returned approximately 95% of their offensive production from last year. Roughly 75% of their defensive tackles, interceptions, and all that. Um, Coastal's look, quite frankly, they've looked really, really good um, in the first two weeks. Beat Kansas on the road. I know that's that's not really saying a whole lot sometimes. You look at Kansas, especially we're talking about football and not basketball. Um, Coastal got another win a uh, uh, week before last thing against Campbell, who's, again, not very good. But I, I'm telling you what, man, I think Coastal defense plays really good. Um, their offense has the ability to run the ball, throw the ball. Got a redshirt freshman at quarterback who has really played well. I think he had a sports center highlight uh, a couple weeks ago against Campbell, fumbled the ball down on the ground, under who uh, passed it. Okay, he he improvises. Uh, Arkansas State historically is one of those teams that are not in a power conference that play really, really good football. Okay, but I think Coastal Carolina getting 3.5 here is a lot. I'm going with the upset alert. I'm actually getting Coastal to win this thing outright. A little fun belt to finish the week. I love it. Um, you know, Coach Powell has really good stuff. He talked about all the guys coming back for Coastal. But uh, Arkansas State's a really good football team. They hung with Memphis in week one, and they knocked off some team called Kansas State uh, in week two. You know those same Wildcats that upset Oklahoma last week? Um, you know, that's 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 pretty good accomplishment. But uh, head coach Blake Anderson, he just recovered from COVID-19. He didn't actually make it public until after the fact, uh, unlike Mike Norvell at uh, Florida State. But uh, they've had several players that have missed some time with uh, COVID-related issues. I think this game is fairly even talent-wise, though. Um, I'm going to stay in-state. I'm going to take Coastal uh, not only to cover, but to win the game outright. You know, Coastal has quietly become a really good football team themselves. Uh, you know, no one just rolls into Myrtle Beach and just takes what they want. That doesn't happen. Okay, Coastal wins outright. Let's go. I can tell you who does roll in the Myrtle Beach and takes what they want, and that's about every Ohioan um, east of Indiana um, and eats all the food. No, just joking. No, I like Coastal. I'm going with the home dog, South Carolina team. I'm going Coastal Carolina plus three and a half. That wraps up today's episode of College Pick'em. Thanks, Coach Powell. Thanks, Coach Whitmore, for joining us. We'll go over our picks next week. Again, the game the hometown showdown versus Bluffton tonight is sold out. Kickoff is at 7.30. If you do not have an online ticket, we are not selling tickets at the gate. Please wear a mask and please find a piece of tape. I have taped the bleachers to sit on. That will keep us socially distanced. Please wear a mask so we can keep selling as many tickets as we can. If we don't do that, I will have to drop how many tickets we sell. Again, kickoff is at 7.30 between May River and Bluffton. Go Sharks! Go Sharks!